Have you ever had a situation where you're afraid to do something because you don't know how it's going to work out? Someone talk to me. Give me your, it's, time, it's confession time. Tell me what that was and how it worked out. Go ahead, Gail. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, yeah, Terry? Oh, you when you were working classical conversations? And so you have to, you know, so you mean just working with students? Had a group of eight. I hate school. That's terrible when the teacher hates school, isn't it? I don't, I'm just, you just don't know how that's going to work out. Once a week for 30 weeks, and it was amazing. That's great. They grew through the effort. Yeah, that's great. Got in some prayer. That's cool. One more. Peruse. Oh, Jerry. I mean, she's got better stories. I know hers. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no spoilers. Spoiler alert on Curry Tim Boone. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. That's a great story, yeah. All right, Perus, you get to tell yours. Amen. To think that Nathan was like, you know, after the car accident and what was God was going to do. Yeah, that's an answer prayer. Yeah, good to see you, Nathan. Yeah. All right, so I'm just going to tell you straight up, like, my, my thing that I was going to share is not nearly as spiritual as any of those because... Mine was one of those kind of things where you're hoping something turns out a certain way and it doesn't at all. It just doesn't work. So true confessions, really true confession. High school, I don't know, West Texas, breezy all the time, winds blowing all the time. Back in the 70s, everyone was wearing these coats with these fake like kind of fur broad collars like this, and it's in the winter. Here we go, this is the true confession part. First kiss, I leaned over, the wind blew the collar up, and I kissed my collar. <laughs> Last kiss. <laughs> so, yeah, things don't always turn out the way you want them to. And so, um, it's really, really interesting to me that so, for so many reasons, and like, I have a friend that I would talk to before something was going to happen, and, and he would, we would always talk, and then when it was always done, he would always say, was it as bad as you thought? And it never would be. And so I'm still trying to learn that lesson. But it's really interesting that how our fears, our worries, whatever it may be, how they get the best of us sometimes. And they come into this, this space in our lives when we are not sure how to speak up, how to do things, what to say, what to do, how to be, and all. And so a while back, I found uh, this verse 
that, you know, it's always been here. I've had the Bible for a long time, but I found this verse, and it just really meant something to me. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians 6.19. We are going to look at this verse where Paul is writing himself. And, and so this is the Apostle Paul. You know, when you think about Paul, you think about Paul the fearless, uh, the invincible, the fourth member of the Trinity. I find this verse, and he says here, he says, And pray on my behalf that utterance, that the words may be given to me, and opening of my mouth to make known the bold, with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Here is the guy that we think of as like never being, never having a, a, a lack of words or the right thing to say or how to handle, and he's saying, pray for me that I will have the right words and that I will speak with boldness in these opportunities. And I'm thinking like, whoa, if he's asking for prayer about that, that's really reassuring to me and my own little things. Throughout, men, throughout history, men and women in the Bible have always had God speak to them and call them out of their comfort zones and then put them in places of great discomfort. So, and, and you're going to know some of those stories. You're going to know like in, in, in Exodus 3.10, and you don't have to go there because I'm going to tell several stories today. You don't have to go there. But in Exodus 3.10, that's where God calls Moses out. And he says to him, he starts out and he says, I've heard the cries of Israel and it's come to me and I've seen the oppression of the Egyptians and therefore come now and I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses says, whoa, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And then later on, in in chapter 4, verse 10, he says this, he goes, I've never been good with words. That's just not my thing. And so you're asking someone to go and talk to the most powerful man in all the land, and you want me to talk to him. I've never been good with words. I've never been a good speaker. Uh, I wasn't one before I met you. I'm not going to be one now. I'm slow of speaking. I can never think of the right thing to say. That's the Living Bible's translation, I think. I loved it because it's more of the way I would say it. So here Moses is. He's like going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I wasn't good with my words before. Me and you had this discussion. I'm not good with them right now. I'm not going to go away from here being good at them then. So I really think there should be someone else to take this job. Right? And then, and then there's a, another great example that we've seen before. Like in Jeremiah 1, that's where I was reading this week. And in Jeremiah 1, there it's a great, great commissioning. And in Jeremiah 1, God speaks to Jeremiah. And, and man, if any dude ever had a hard ministry, it was Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1, 5, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, first of all, that's one of those pause moments. That's one of those, Selah, think about that. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's really a crazy thought, isn't it? And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. And I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, oh God, uh, wait, behold, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a youth. And so here's Jeremiah being given a huge task. 
And he's saying, just slow down a bit here, Lord. But in both of these cases, there's another part of the similarity of God's call and man's opposition, his hesitancy to step into this calling. In both cases, there's a similarity, and we're going to track it in other places as well. So here in Jeremiah, if you were to look on further, this is how it goes. They go back and forth. And God gives them a call. He says, I'm sending you the nations. I prepared you for this. This is what is for you. And Jeremiah's like going, that's a really bad idea. Can we pause? Can we reconsider? And, and, and God goes through and he goes, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to work. These are the signs that's going to happen. Verse 17, he goes, now gird up your loins and arise and speak to them all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them, lest I am dismayed before you. And then he closes up and he goes, And they will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Genesis 3 with Moses again back there. I mean, Genesis, not Genesis, Exodus 3 with Moses back there. And God responds over and again, but here we'll just highlight this one time. And I love the way that God says this. And the Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? Isn't it great? God is just so direct sometimes. Isn't it interesting? He just, I mean, he just is so down to earth. Who would ever expect God to be so down to earth? Who made man's mouth, he says. Or who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then, go. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. Listen to that. Let's paraphrase. Now, go. Me. Me. I'm going to go with you. And I will be with your mouth. And I will teach you all the things to say. I am the creator of the universe. I am. That meant something to Moses. He understood that phrase. He understood that name of God. I am. And I will go with you. And I'll teach you what to say. Think about it. This promise of I will be with you wasn't limited to Moses and Jeremiah. And Abraham, when Abram was called out of the land of Ur, he goes, God says to him, says, go and I will show you where to go. Joshua one, go to Joshua. Now, we're going to hang out in Joshua a little bit. So go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you. I'm going to start in verse 1. Now, it came about after the death of Moses, the son, servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to you, to the sons of Israel. Now, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness of Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the great river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea, toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people the possession of the land that I swore to your fathers and give to them. Verse 7, only be strong and courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Strong words coming from God. And you see the same type of words being spoken to Gideon in Judges, where he says the same type of thing to him there in Gideon 6, 14. Again, God is is commissioning a man for a special task, and he says to him, Have I not sent you? He's saying, I'm the one that's sending you. He is giving him all of his power. All, uh, who, he's giving him all of himself to Gideon as he gives him this job to do and sends him out to do it. I love in 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, Rob Quantum just led our small group through this study recently. So flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I love David's speech. Um, everyone loves Braveheart and his speeches, you know, and stuff. But David had the first great speech. Turn over to 1 Samuel 17. Here's this young lad, and he walks out with nothing but a slingshot to Goliath, the mighty warrior. And starting in verse 45, he says, David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, I will give, and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, all that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly, pay attention to verse 47, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. For a young dude, he's speaking some big words, isn't he? The Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. This phrase, the Lord, the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands, it's not an uncommon phrase throughout the Old Testament as Israelites are warring with their neighbors or taking over the the land. You you, you see it several times. One time in 2 Samuel 5, 22, here is an instance where the Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, shall, You shall not go up directly. Circle around behind them and come at them in the front with, of, of the balsam trees. And it shall be, when you hear the sound of the marching in the top of the trees, that you shall act promptly. For then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Second Chronicles 20, same type of thing where God has gone out before them to fight the battle for them. And here it is. He's talking to Jehoshaphat, and God says, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And then again, in Second Chronicles 32, he says this, verses 7 and 8. He starts there, and he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria nor because of all the multitude which is with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with him. And this is such a great, great phrase. With him is only an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battle. Wow. What a great, great phrase. 
Verse 21 wraps it up and it says, And the Lord sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. This theme of God's promise, this theme of I will be with you, this theme of, of with him is uh, the battle is the Lord's. And this phrase right here, which is so akin to the other ones, and is still the same message, which is that God is, if God is for us, who can be against us? With him is only an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. There is a spiritual principle here. God's promises are never found to be true unless they are tested. You think about this, all right? And in other words, how do I know that he will fight for me unless I go to the battlefield to see? How do I know if he is with me? Uh, Abraham did not know where God was going to lead him until Abraham stepped and followed. Moses did not know what God was going to do and and how he was going to perform these miracles and, and follow through with anything he promised until he showed up in Pharaoh's court and opened his mouth. Here, This principle is one of like, unless we take the field, the battlefield, Unless we step out into the battlefield, we never know whether God is really going to provide. We never know how he is going to provide. God's provision isn't known or experienced until we step out on the battlefield. And so here's the age-old question kind of thing. Chicken or the egg kind of thing. God's sovereignty or man's responsibility? Does God need me? to show up on the battlefield for him to do what he's going to do? No, not at all. But, you know, when we step on the battlefield, we are saying to him, I am here to see you fulfill your promises. You said you were going to do this, and I am here to see you do this. We are showing up and we're saying, I trust you to do what you say you're going to do. He will not provide unless we step out and we step on the field. And you are saying to yourself, well, how does that really work in my life? Because I've only toured battlefields that are historical. I don't go on a battlefield every day. Well, let's go back to where we started with our, our, our passage from Ephesians 6.19. Pray on my behalf that the words may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness and the mystery of the gospel. In other words, the Living Bible says it like this, which I appreciate. Pray for me too and ask God to give me the right words to say, to boldly tell others about the Lord as I explain it to them that their salvation is for the Gentiles too. This is the equivalent of stepping on the battlefield to see God provide. Is the equivalent of stepping on the battlefield to see if God's going to provide is the same as opening our mouths to see him put the words there. You see, if God had told them, go out to the field, in the case of David and the balsam trees, if, if he says, go, and he says, and when you hear, you'll know I'm at work. If David had stayed behind the safety of the fortress, what he would be saying is, I'm staying back here because the fortress will protect me. 
But when he followed him out onto the battlefield, he said, I'm putting myself out here. Or Hezekiah with the armies of Israel, I mean of Assyria, excuse me, with the armies of Assyria. Way outmatched. Way outmatched. There is no way that a few Israelites are going to defeat the massive army of Assyria. And it would have made all the sense in the world to say, we're going to hunker down behind these walls and just see what happens. Maybe they'll get distracted and walk away. Maybe we'll outlive them, you know. In no one's mind would have been a good idea to go and face them. I've always loved uh, Joshua and his very, very first battle. And so here he is for years, for decades, they've been wandering around in the desert. And he keeps saying, you're going to have this land. You're going to have this land. So can you imagine a whole bunch of young men who are eager and anxious to go in this land and take it? Because he says, all will fall before you. And so the very first thing he says is, go out and blow your horn. Go out and march around it seven times. On the last time, then you're going to blow your horn, and then I'll knock down the walls. Can you imagine going to your army and saying, okay, guys, just put everything away. We're going to do this with horns. Can you imagine the guys like going, you are kidding me, right? Can you tell me when this has ever worked before? Can you give us an example that this is a good idea? What makes you think that I'm going to follow you to to face another army with horns? They would never know the victory God was giving them unless they had done what was asked of them. They would never know God's provision unless they had stepped out into the battlefield in the way he said to step out in the battlefield and to be there and to see him provide in his way as opposed to ours. And so here we are. We don't have battlefields, but we have words, really. We have actions. We have things to do. Um, I was with someone last night, and they were sharing a story. And it's kind of convoluted, but it's, there's three, three people in this story. And two people in this story have been having a discussion about a circumstance in this person's life. A third person who doesn't know about this circumstance, said, called one of these people and said, God has called me, told me to call you and to tell you this, share something with them. Well, that is exactly what these two have been talking about. Exactly. The very issue. Now just think if this third guy over here had said, that's ridiculous. Who ever thought of calling somebody I see once a quarter, maybe, or once every few months, and telling them that you told me to give them a message? That's ridiculous. But let me just tell you, that person the message is for, it got her attention. Because not only did that message get to her, they were standing in the hallway talking about it. A fourth person walked up and said, what are you guys talking about? They showed her the topic, and she goes, I completely agree. That's exactly what I think God is telling you to do confirmed message twice over. But it never would have happened if the first dude said, that's ridiculous, I'm not making any phone calls. If he didn't open his mouth and trust God to use his words for God's purpose and God's way. And here's Paul saying, I need boldness. I need the right words. And how many of us feel like we need boldness 
We need the right words. But it's interesting, though, that God's promise to the Israelites of the Old Testament that he would be with them extends all the way through this day. Because in Matthew 18, there is the Great Commission, and he goes, Go therefore into all the, you know, to all the earth, baptizing and making disciples. And then he says, And lo, I am with you always. The very promise that he said to Abraham, go and I'll show you the way. The very promise that he made to Moses, go and I'll speak for you. The very promise he made to Joshua, go, be strong, be courageous, I'll bring them down before you. The very promise he made to all these people that we think are really great heroes, they became great heroes and we're talking about them today because they stepped into the battlefield and God provided. Not because they hunkered down behind the walls. We're talking about them here today because God said, this is what I'll do on your behalf if you'll trust me and believe me to do it. And so they stepped out in faith and saw God do it. And the impact on their lives, the impact on Israel, the impact on the world continues to unfold and we're still talking about them today, not because they hunkered down behind the walls, not because they figured out a different way to do the project, but because they trusted God. And when they trusted him, he made provision. And so when you have to speak truth into hard situations, he's with you. So when you have to tell others about how God is working in your life, he's with you. So when you are coming in to share the gospel and you don't know how they're going to receive it, he's with you. Whatever God has instructed you to do, he's with you. And we're never doing it by ourselves. But we won't know how he's going to put words in our mouth. We never know the words that he's going to put in our mouth unless we open it. Unless we step onto the battlefield to see God's provision. Unless we see God's power made perfect in our weakness. This morning on, the, on your chairs, there was a, a, a three by five card. And so this is what I'm, I'm encouraging you to do. Take your three-by-five card, and you, you can either do it now or you can do it later. But take your three-by-five card and take Joshua 1.9. I've used the Living Bible's translation. And he says, Yes, be bold and strong. Banish fear and doubt. For remember, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Take your card. Jot down that reference or just jot down the verse. And this week, let's commit it to thinking about that to memorizing that, to living off of that, to using that. When we are stepping into whatever situation it is where we are not sure what's going to happen when we open our mouth, but we open it, not because we know the right thing to say, not because we know how this is going to work out, but we open it because God has told us to be strong and to be bold and that He is with us wherever we go, with whatever we may say. I'll leave the passage up there for a few minutes for you to jot it down or just get the reference and you can jot it down later. But I'm encouraging us this week to all do it together. To all do it together. If during the course of this week that you took this verse and you applied it to your life and you saw God do something, I would love to hear about it. I would love to hear what God is doing in your life through this verse, and through this principle. All right? I'm going to pray. Do you want to still want to copy that down? Go right ahead.